welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if you could open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, please. Okay, if you can look up on the map, we're coming to the end soon of Paul's third missionary journey. And the end of his second missionary journey, um, he was hanging out over here in Antioch for about a year before he started going out to some of the churches like Derby, Lystra, where he planted some churches during his first missionary journey. So he went back. He wanted to see how the people he met were doing and how they were growing. And then on his, this is part of his third missionary journey, he would come down here. And before I go any further, I want you to see that here are the churches Okay, of Revelation, Laodicea, Philadelphia, Sardis, Thyatira, Pergamum, um, Smyrna, Ephesus. So you can see right here, that little ark, that was the churches of Revelation. And if we go out a little further, you're going to come up here and actually off the coast of Ephesus, out in this area in here, was the... I'm sorry, right in here was the island of um, Patmos where John wrote the book of Revelation. So going back to tonight though, so you see Paul, he's going all the way up here. Remember in his first journey, he went to Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. Well, he's doing the same journey and he's coming down to uh, Corinth over to Greece and then he's going to make his trip back up and coming over this way, and he's going to end up coming all the way over here back to Syria, and then all the way down to Jerusalem. So, this is Paul's farewell tour to this section of the world. He's never going to come back here again, and we'll see that towards the end of tonight's lesson. His main purpose was to encourage and strengthen the people in the churches that were founded, that he helped find. And they would stand, that they would stand strong in Jesus Christ and be effective witnesses. So just like a lot of you came up from downstairs with the New Believers class, you can imagine with all these churches, the fundamentals of the faith, they were being over. And over again, hearing the things about God and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And Paul did not have to do this. He did not have to go thousands of miles three separate times. But the Holy Spirit urged him to go. It was a fire in his heart. He couldn't quench it, nor did he want to. And he wanted to just be an effective witness. We, you and I, should pray that God lights that fire in us, that we would go wherever we have to go, do whatever we have to do to be an effective witness 
for Jesus Christ. One of the things Paul was also doing, he was taking a collection as he was going through these areas to bring back to the church in Jerusalem for the poor people in the church. Now, this third missionary journey was 2,515 miles. 1,190 miles were by sea, by boat. 1,325 were by land. And it's an amazing journey. And if you've been with us since the beginning of Acts, this is his third one. This is his last one. So let's jump in tonight to Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. After the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them, and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, As he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And Sparatus of Berea Berea, accompanied him to Asia. Also, Artitarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and Tertius, and Trophimus of Asia. These men, going ahead, waited for us at Troas. But we sailed away from Philippi after the day of unleavened bread, and in five days joined them at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Okay, well we see here, up on the map, Paul is coming down through here, and he's going down to Corinth and to um, Athens and Greece, and he wants to sail over and go to Troas. Okay, he wants to come up this way. But the Jews are trying to kill him. So instead of going this way, he goes back up and he goes up to Philippi and then he comes down to Troas in this direction. Okay, so that's what's happening right now. And you can see there's a lot of land to cover. And like I said, 1,325 miles were covered on foot. Can you imagine? And he was an older man. He was in his 60s. And he wasn't the healthiest guy. But I'm sure his cardiovascular system was pretty good. He must have had some muscles in his legs. His lungs and heart must have been strong. And we know that in the spirit, he was a warrior. He was tough. Going back to uh, verse 20, it says, And Paul called the disciples to himself. And he embraced them. There was a love here. You know, there's a lot of religions that push the law, pushes the do's and the don'ts. But a healthy church, a vibrant church, is a loving church where the people love one another. And they care for each other. It's not just coming to church. It's, there's a body life in the church. There's things are, that are happening. There's a fellowship. You're getting to know each other better. And if you're here for a period of time, you do things together. There's a friendship that develops. And that's so awesome. And here Paul is calling his followers to himself and he's embracing them. 
because now he's going to go and depart to Macedonia, which is up this area here. Remember, he's leaving here because the Jews want to kill him. He's going to go all the way up here to leave through Philippi and the port there. One of the other things that's happening, he's encouraging them. He's not only traveling, it's not a trip, it's not a vacation. He has a purpose, and the purpose is to encourage the people in the churches. We're to do that. You and I are to do that. To encourage one another. Lift each other up when we're going through things that we're struggling with. That's so important as daughters and sons of Jesus Christ. Now notice, he, when he was down in Greece, he stayed there three months. And one of the things he did on his third missionary journey here in Greece is he wrote his letter to the Romans. The book of Romans was written there. And this whole time that he's over in this section up here on the left, it's like a fall, winter, spring. He's there for almost a year in that area. And he's... Like I said, he's not vacationing. He's doing things. He's visiting the churches. He's writing Romans. Up in Philippi, he writes two Corinthians up there. I believe it's also up in Philippi, or it might be in Corinth, that he writes the book of Galatians. So can you imagine? Paul is a busy man while he's doing all his missionary travels. Down in verse 5. There was a group of guys that went with him. And they were representative of all those churches. He had a fella all the way from Derby that traveled with him. Okay, He had guys from Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. These were representative of those churches that were handling the funds that Paul was going to bring back to Jerusalem. And Paul wanted to be above reproach. He wasn't going to handle all this money by himself, so he found faithful guys that would travel with him. And that's always a a good thing. Your pastors should be above reproach. Your elders should be above reproach. Now, in verse 8, where he sailed away from Philippi after the day of unleavened bread, which was the Passover... It took them five days to go from Philippi to Troas. I'm sorry. It it took, um, yeah, five days it took to join the people. And it's normally a 12-day trip, but they made it faster. The wind must have been on their side, but we know that it was the Lord. Okay, let's take a look at verse 7. Picking up in Acts 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. How much further? So we got 8.39. I have three and a half more hours. (laughs) There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, 
fell on him and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Okay, let's go back to verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, so this was Sunday. Um, The church now was meeting on Sundays. Pentecost took place on a Sunday. There's debate whether they met at night on Sunday because Sunday was still a work day because it was considered the first day of the week and the Jews' normal Sabbath was Friday at sundown to sundown on Saturday. That would be the Sabbath. But with the church, everything started to be moving in the direction of having church on Sunday. So there's a debate whether they worked all day on Sunday and then came to church at night, or they were in church since like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and they were there till midnight. But either way, whether they started church at 6 at night and went and Paul was still teaching till midnight, or they started early in the morning and he went all day, that's for debate. But either way, it was a long time. Why did Paul teach so long? Was this his regular way? It wasn't. But he knew this was it. This was the last time he was going to see these dear people. And he wanted to cover a lot of things. Well, we see that they were in some sort of a house or some sort of a building. And uh, they came together to break bread. um, Because Paul was leaving the next day. And this breaking bread in this particular verse, in verse 7, refers to communion. And in Acts 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So that's what they did when they came together. They would break bread. They would read the Bible. They would teach the Scriptures. They would have fellowship with one another. They would pray together, just like we do. Nothing different. Now, driving here today, I have about a 50-minute drive. Driving here today... It was a little chilly, so I had the heat on a little bit. And it reminds me of this next section, uh, verse 8. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. That name Eutychus means fortunate. And boy, this guy was fortunate. What ends up happening to him. Now he's sinking into a deep sleep. So I'm driving here, and I'm sure it's happened to you. You're driving in your car. It's feeling a little nice in the car, comfortable. But you have to remember you're not at home, but you start nodding out. You start, you know, and it happened to me t- today. I had to shut off the heat to wake up again. Well, this young guy, they say he could have been a teenager, was sitting up in the window. He probably wanted to get some fresh air because there was a lot of bodies in the room. There were all these flames flickering. And I was, I was going by a, a sign today and had all the lights on the perimeter of the yield sign and they were flickering. It sort of like relaxes you. You know, so I can imagine the heat in the room and all the flames flickering. You have a tendency to uh, relax and sometimes nod off. Well, Eutychus not only nodded off, he fell off the windowsill and he fell three stories down to his death. But he was very fortunate. There was an apostle in the house and this apostle was empowered by the Lord to go out And he fell on him, embraced him, and said, Do not trouble yourselves, 
for His life is in Him. So, what does that mean for you and for me? I guess don't sleep in the don't go up in the balcony if you're tired. Stay as close to the ground as possible. Definitely don't sit in an open window whenever you hear a if you're at a Bible study. But what do you think spiritually about how we can apply this? You know, I wonder if Eutychus at one time got there early because he knew somebody was speaking and he would sit in the first couple rows. But then after a while, Eutychus started moving back. And then he started moving back. Then he might have went up. And then he just fell away. Fell off the map as far as a Christian. And he started to die spiritually. Well, I think if you know somebody like that, or I know somebody like that, we should be like a Paul. Notice Paul didn't jump on him. He didn't go up on the third story and jump and crush the guy. He didn't beat him up. He went down to him and met him where he was. He embraced him. He loved him. There was still life in him because he had believed in Jesus at one time where there was a seed planted. And what did Paul do? He waters that seed. He loves him back. Now, that is the application to me of this. That's what I take from it. That we should look for the Eutychuses in our life. Embrace them. Meet them right where they are and bring them back. Start fanning that flame where they come back to that vibrant faith in Jesus Christ. Let's go down to verse 11. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, now it's food time. Before it was communion, now he's having a meal. And I'm sure everybody was starving after hearing many hours of teaching. Maybe it was a good intermission. Maybe he said, God said, hey, let's get Eutychus to fall out the window so we can have an intermission. People can use the bathroom and, and go to the buffet table before we start the second half. So here he is and, you know, um, this fellowship, this oneness in Jesus that was taking place after Eutychus fell out and Paul went down and Jesus resurrected him again. And notice what happens in verse 11. They talked a long while, even till daybreak. And then he departed. You imagine Paul in his 60s. The energy. The life. Full of the Holy Spirit. Knew he would never see these people again. And he had a motivation. He had an energy of the Holy Spirit to just keep going. To give all of himself to a group of people that would really change, help change this area of the world. How about you? How about me? What part of the world are we changing for Jesus Christ? Is it here? Is it in your homes? Is it in your neighborhood, your workplace? What is it? Because we're all called. We're all chosen. 
to be used by the Lord. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the decadent periods in the history of the church have always been those periods when preaching has declined. One more time. The decadent periods in the history of the church have always been those periods when preaching has declined. Well, from everything we're seeing in our world, preaching has declined. The churches in our world are decadent. And I praise God for this church that does a verse-by-verse study of the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We bring the Word. We dissect the Word. You have home Bible studies. You have men's groups, women's groups. By the way, and it starts this um, Saturday, I think. What time we start? Not me. What time the women start? 9.30. So 9.30, the women's group will start up again this Saturday. Verse 12, And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Everybody was psyched. They were psyched that this young kid was alive. Those that were sitting near him saw Eutychus. He looked back to Paul. He looked over. Eutychus was gone. They saw him walk back into the house or the building. They were pumped. Charles Spurgeon was quoted, If you go to sleep during the sermon and die, there are no apostles left to restore us. (laughs) Okay, let's pick up on verse 13. Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos, there intending to take Paul on board. For so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us as Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and the next day came opposite Hias. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogulian. The next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So you can see back on the map, Paul is up in this area here, and he's traveling down. Okay, he's coming all the way this way. But notice what Paul did. He didn't go on the boat. He didn't go on the ship. He wanted to walk. Very interesting. Paul wanted to be alone. Now, it was about a 25-mile walk by Paul. It took probably 10 hours or less. The ship, it took about a day to go down the coast. But why does Paul want to be alone? I believe he, the Holy Spirit urged him to walk to be secluded, to just spend time. Notice wherever Paul went, there was a crowd. There was his disciples. There were people filling the churches to listen to him. He needed quiet time. He needed time between just him and Jesus. So do you, and so do I. Sometimes we can get very busy, can't we? And we neglect our most important thing is spending time with the Lord. You know, we can be in ministry, we can be doing a lot of things in ministry, but we're not spending time with Jesus Christ. And that's like having no wind in your sails. 
We need, you need, the power of the Holy Spirit filling you for whatever ministry you're doing. If you're finding it's something that you're burning out or you're getting tired and fatigued, it's because you're doing it in your own strength. Or you're overstretching yourself and you haven't learned to say no yet. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're relying on Him, wherever God calls you to go, He's going to equip you to do what He's called you to do. And what He calls you to do and what He calls me to do or the person next to you might not necessarily be the same thing. And we shouldn't be judging. Oh, I wish I was doing that. I wish I was doing Just do what God calls you to do. Be faithful in the little things. And if God wants to increase what you're doing, He will. Very important. And I think there's many times in my walk with the Lord that I just burnt out because I was doing it in Vinny's strength and not in the strength of the Lord. So Paul's taking this walk. I mean, we talked about, you know, it's a great time to be alone. We know Paul, it was great exercise for Paul, but the most important thing, he just wanted to spend time with the Lord, listen to what the Holy Spirit was going to tell him. And notice where he wanted to go. He wanted to go all the way back down here in the bottom right to Jerusalem because it was the Feast of Pentecost. And I thought how cool it was that even though the actual day of Pentecost had come, they were still celebrating feast. Just like we do. We celebrate the feast. Whether it be Christmas or Resurrection Sunday or Pentecost or, you know, the Feast of Trumpets. You know, we had, we will have a Jewish believer up here celebrating the feast and showing you in the feast. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's not just a celebration. It's a teaching about the very person of Jesus. He's given us all these feasts that talk about him. Okay, let's jump down to or go pick up on verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and he called for the elders of the church. And you can see up on the map Miletus and Ephesus. It's about a 30 mile trip. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. might be saying, well, what did Paul do? All these places that he went. Well, here it is right here. He's reviewing the past in these verses 18 to 21. He's showing that he lived right among the people. That he served the Lord and he wasn't puffed up. He was humble. He never thought himself above anybody. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. And he had, it wasn't always great times. It wasn't always joyous. But there were trials and there were tears. And there were people that came and opposed him. They were adversaries. 
don't be surprised when you, when you are, because you're a Christian, that you're not going to have some trouble, that you're not going to have some obstacles to overcome, that there aren't going to be people against you. They crucified Jesus. They mocked Him. They scourged Him. But notice, Paul just kept going. He just kept going. His focus. He, he talked to and shared and taught the Jews and also the Greeks. And what did he teach them? That you must repent. There's no salvation without repentance. You can't have eternal life unless you repent and turn and follow Jesus Christ. You, like me, we used to do our own thing, right? We followed our own desires, our own will. But when we came to Jesus Christ, we turned. We no longer wanted to follow our individual selves. We want to follow Jesus. And how do you know what Jesus wants you to do? You get in His Word. You fellowship with other believers. You go to church. You get into His Word. And notice the, the biggest thing is faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other name under heaven by which you and I can be saved. If I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in my heart that God is raised from the dead, you're, I'm saved. You're saved. We are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. May we never take that for granted, right? That's something that is amazing. That God would come down to take your place and my place and die on a cross. Look at it. Look at the cross. Method of execution. Torture. Humility. Degradation. But He took your place and my place out of love for us. That we don't have to go through that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. In verses 22 to 27, Paul talks about the present. We just saw in those 18 to 21 that he talks about the past. Let's look at now the present. Verse 22, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might, that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Wow. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28. Notice in those verses we see Paul says in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Let's look at some of the stuff he's referring to in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23-28. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. Am I more? In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, Minus one. 
Five times, five separate times, he was whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Just floating in the ocean for a night and a day. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, in in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold, in nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. How are you doing today? How are you feeling today? What obstacles and things hit you today? Notice everything Paul went through and notice how he finishes verse 28. My deep concern for all the churches. I'm going to break that down some more. My deep concern for all the people. I'm going to break it down some more. My deep concern for each individual. How are we doing on the Jesus scale? How am I doing? Lord, I pray that all of us would have this fire in our belly that we couldn't go to sleep at night unless we love people and minister to people. And think about it. Have you ever put in a situation where somebody maybe from church asked you to do something and you said, oh man, I have to go 10 miles out of my way. Paul, Paul, think of Paul and what he did and where he went without any of the transportation that you and I have today. It wasn't a matter, was it, of transportation? No, it was a matter of the heart. What was his heart willing to do. We just saw in these verses what he went through and was willing to do. He didn't have to do that. He could have just stayed back at home. Still have been saved. Still going to heaven. Still having Bible studies. But he followed the leading of God's Holy Spirit. And you know what? We're glad he did. Because we would not be here today. One man. One person. And the difference they can make in others' lives. Let's pray. Father, as we see Paul and we see all that he does or had done, Lord, help us to count our life dear to ourselves. Help us to count the cost. Help us to finish our race that you go 
that you give each one of us. Help us to fulfill the ministry that you give us to do. Because we're empowered and we receive it from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight or you're watching at home, maybe you haven't even started your journey with Jesus. And maybe Jesus is touching your heart. I went to a funeral today of a a woman who was only 72 years old, but I had the privilege of coaching her sons and her brother. And she's in eternity right now. And that's where I got the title for tonight's message. Before your ship sails. And in this sense, it means when your life is over and you go into eternity. How about tonight? What is God showing you Is He encouraging you to keep going? Keep going, running the race? Or is He trying to fan that flame? To get you fired up? Sometimes we have to fall and be almost spiritually dead before God, through the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus, resurrects you to new life. I don't think Eutychus was ever the same again. Nor were the people around him. So if you haven't ever started that walk with Jesus, like me, like many of the people here, well, all the people here that have received Jesus, just realize that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short of God's perfect standards. You already know that. But maybe God is saying now, how about giving me your life and just follow me? Come and follow me. Just like he said to the apostles when he recruited them. He's trying to recruit you right now. Are you going to listen? Are you going to follow him? If you do want to follow him, just say this prayer. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I want to follow you. I want to deny my self-directed life. And Jesus, I just want to follow You. Please forgive me. Thank You for shedding Your blood for me. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. I give You my heart. I give You my life. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.